Hey, what's happening, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's week two of Nintendo Month. Whoa, two weeks in a row. So fun. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. And you know what this podcast is. (laughs) (laughs) VGM. Yeah, for the second week, last week we did a Mario Kart episode. Uh, We had the idea this week of finally focusing on the Luigi's Mansion series. And I apologize that we're a little late. You know, Halloween has come and gone, but it doesn't mean we can't have a spooky good time today. Well, that's what's interesting. We've been kind of recording these Nintendo Month episodes early. So for us recording, this is actually sort of perfect timing. Halloween was only a couple days ago. So I'm still very much in the kind of spooky mindset. Um, uh, One of the films that I've been working on uh, with Mark is a horror film. And so I kind of just feel like my whole life in the last couple months is like, it feels like an endless October, I guess. How perfect. So yes, like like I just said uh, at the top, finally focusing on Luigi's Mansion series. Only three games in this series. Uh, and it's kind of a forgotten series, maybe from some people. I think um, like I remember, Luigi, he's a forgotten yeah, I, character. I really remember vividly when I heard that the GameCube was not going to have a Mario launch game, but instead a Luigi launch game. And I, I may have had mixed feelings about that. Um, but man, what a specific personality the series has and the music... Um, You know, the lead composer of Luigi's Mansion was Kazumi Tataka, also joined by Shinobu Tanaka, but they, both of them, really established a clear sense of humor and personality that continues for the series. Uh, For me personally, I am very excited to get to the last part of this episode, Luigi's Mansion 3. I had a wonderful time playing through that with Joe on the Switch, and I think that soundtrack is outstanding. Uh, Will's, I think his favorite title in the series is probably the second one, right? Well, you know, what's funny is I didn't have much experience playing the original on the GameCube. And I think if I did, um, I would have a lot more nostalgia for it. Now, I do really like the music and, you know, we've gushed about both Kazumi Tataka and Shinobu, now Nagata, um, both of those composers many times on this podcast. And uh, Kazumi Tataka is kind of a, he really is kind of a Nintendo legend. I mean, involved in so many classic games and series and his thumbprint and kind of musical fingerprints loom large uh, over all of our Nintendo months uh, prior. Um, But what's interesting about What I think is so cool about us doing this episode is I think you were absolutely right at the beginning, Carl, that this is a bit of a forgotten series. And I think Luigi, Mm -hmm. as a character, and one of the things that I sort of like about how he's been personified a bit over the years is his character seems like he's almost dealing with some... I don't know, inferiority complex, you know, it's like his brother is Super Mario and he's kind of, he's just Luigi. He's a little bit more scared. He's kind of bumbling. I love the way that Charles Martinet has sort of distinguished his voice from <laughs> yeah. Mario. And I think it's it's really helped define Luigi as a character. And totally. I've always had sort of a soft spot for him and sort of his, you know... <laughs> I don't know that th- there's something interesting about that in this series, I think reflects that, that not that it isn't beloved or popular, but I-, I can't think of another game series where there's so much time between entries. Like you don't yeah. even think especially of it from one to two. Yeah. I yeah, think it was like 2013 game... was the 3ds game. So man, right. that's a long time. So yeah, over 10 years. And I mean, no one thought of it for a series 
all that time. They just thought it was like one decently received GameCube title. Well, what's funny is it seems like Nintendo didn't even think about it because then they had to outsource it to another developer. Um, So a very different episode, I think, for us. Very spooky time. Um, The original soundtrack is quite small. There's not a lot of music on it. Um, You know, there's different variations and stuff. Um, But what you heard playing in was the staff credits. I thought that was a perfect play in a really funky good time, a silly time there. Um, What do you say, Will? Should we just keep going here? Yeah, one thing that I wanted to mention before we actually get into the music itself is if you're going to talk about music for games in the Luigi's Mansion series, you have to talk about the way that it is used and implemented. Because I think one of the strengths of this series is aesthetic consistency in creating this sort of overall world. And we've talked about this before, but one of the coolest things about these games is that the character of Luigi as this protagonist, he displays so much emotion on screen and he'll get visibly Mm -hmm. scared when he's alone and he'll call out for, you know, his brother and um, he hums along with the tracks in the game. We'll hear a couple of hums, I think, today. Okay, so let's move on to such a classic piece of music. Really does a good job of letting you know the personality of this whole series, really. Combination of emotions here. It's EGAD's Lab from Luigi's Mansion, uh, composed by Kazumi Tataka, also joined on the score, Shinobu Tanaka. Here we go. You guys listening to EGAD's Lab. Oh my gosh, it's so classic. And I'm sorry, but every single time I hear this now, I will not be able to unhear Do a Barrel Roll's wonderful Luigi's Mission track that they do live. Uh, it's, a, it's a VGM, a wonderful VGM band that we've shared the stage with many times, and they do a mashup with this and Mission Impossible theme. So yeah, I, I can't unhear that anytime I hear this EGAD's Lab theme, but I just love this so much. I mean, there's something really special about the mix of that really minimal funk band rhythm section with this really silly, uh, campy horror theme on top. Uh, it has so much personality. I love it. Well, it is so prototypical of Kuzumi Tataka and his overall musical style. Because I think what characterizes so much of his music is, um, you know, melodies, harmonies, the actual musical DNA that's really earnestly well composed, almost like a piece of classical music or like jazz totally. pop music. Yet, so often it's presented in this way where the underlying intention is just purely comedic. It's meant to be yeah. very unapologetically goofy too. and silly. Like, yeah. There's a lot of great musical material in that staff credits, um, but the way that it's presented, and part of it is the instrument choice. Uh, now that's an interesting thing I would like to hear an interview with Kataka about is... Uh, I think that the Luigi's Mansion soundtrack, in a weird way, holds up better than other GameCube soundtracks because... The instrument choice, there's a sense of humor to these, to the, the instruments that might be kind of dinky or crappy. 
Uh, so there's this level of intention that maybe you didn't hear in other scores. That's the funny thing. You know, it's like at the time, it, it was sort of embarrassing to be a GameCube owner relative to kind of what was happening sonically on the other consoles oh i remember almost everyone you know having red book audio and that was the time where we started to get you know so many games recording with real orchestras but not little old nintendo they they hung in there with their quirky chirpy synths but you know (laughs) as as time has gone on i think a lot of other music of this period that was using you know the best virtual instruments of the time you're right, Carl, that this stuff actually holds up better than it that. It has a very clear focus, clear it, personality. Yes, it has this sort of self-awareness. And in the same way that the visual style of a game like this really holds up despite its age or something like, you know, The Wind Waker, that yeah. Nintendo was really smart about shifting to a lot of intentionally stylized art styles. I mean, it's not really yeah. even a shift. I think something like... You know, Mario 64 is so brilliant. I mean, when you think of how early that game was of like being this first 3D platformer, yet it still looks better than a lot of games later than it because Mm -hmm. it's almost like they embraced the polygonal nature of the art style and it makes it look like an intentional choice. And I think that's something that Nintendo composers have always been great at is like finding a way to make the limitations of whatever hardware they're working on sound like intentional, um, you know, characteristics of the music that they're making. Yeah. So let's go back to that sound palette that we heard in the staff credits uh, for training from Luigi's Mansion. And I just love the juxtaposition of the personality of this track versus most of everything else you hear. So let's take a listen to Training. Tataka <laughs> so much. This is training from Luigi's Mansion, and it's a real treat to to do this series spotlight. One thing that I wanted to call out, um, and we're gonna get this in uh, the tracks we feature from the second game, Dark Moon, and there's no way to escape that in that score. But one thing that's interesting is a lot of times there'll be one melody, maybe two melodies, um, and you'll hear countless variations and countless different arrangements on that same material. We're going to get that in Dark Moon where like most of the pieces we're playing share a similar melody or the same mm-hmm. basic melody and we're just hearing different arrangements of it uh, that, you know, correspond to different sections, different areas. And so I actually think that's kind of cool because it's not something that we really do on this podcast a lot. Um, and yeah. yeah, one more time, this original soundtrack 
there's not a lot to it. Um, we're playing most of like the the kind of important music that I think you would need to play from it, and there's not too much. Yeah, and I mean, I think that thematic consistency is something that Nintendo has done for a while. I mean, I think Koji Kondo oh, yeah. started it with um, some of the earlier Mario games, but kind of it really coalesced into the sound of that series with mm-hmm. Super Mario World that kind of rearranged its overworld theme for all of the different level stages and exploring all these different musical genres with that theme. It's something he continued yeah. in Mario 64 and he and, you know, Shinobu Tanaka or now Shinobu Nagata. You know what's um, so they funny, Will? did that in Mario Sunshine as well, that kind of I was thematic. reading some old review, I think. And can you imagine, Will, that this is true that some... Some people, I think it was a minority, but some people in 96 uh, criticized that about the Mario 64 music, that it was just these variations on, you know, one melody, which is so funny because how many games do that now? It's like you almost don't even think about it now, but well, it was a little bit more of a novel thing back it's then. It's also such an old Concept. I mean, that I know that's what's hilarious video about games. it too. That's such. That's the essence. But of yep. Apparently, so some much film got music upset. and even beyond. I mean, yeah, a monothematic scoring is is not a new concept. And I think one of the innovations that Nintendo composers brought to gaming is this sort of historical approach to scoring video mm-hmm. games. I think that's something yeah. that I mean, of all the things that Koji did in the original Super Mario Brothers, that's probably the strongest is there's this historical sense to the music that everything feels like a pastiche from something familiar, right. um, whether it's classical music or atonal music or, you know, Latin pop or, you know, ro- a romantic waltz or, or what have you. Everything has this sort of common mm-hmm. reference point. So we only have two more pieces to focus on from the first game. Uh, this is Mansion. We're doing a medley. Two different variations of the mansion music. We have Dark Hallway, and then eventually we're going to hear the Luigi Humming version. This is again composed by Kazumi Tataka. Here we go. It's such a brilliant idea, honestly. Yeah. Like it just makes him like as a the fact that it's like third person. It's like you want to protect this little guy that he has so much personality yeah. and he's scared and he's so innocent. He's singing along. It's Charles like, Martinet, everyone. Yeah. What yeah. what what a great idea. You just heard the Luigi humming version. Uh, before that, we heard the dark hallway version. 
of the mansion music from Luigi's Mansion. And yeah, this, oh my gosh, this brings me back to this era. There's so much charm, personality, and a sense of fun in, in this game that is this horror, this dark game, but it's it's a Nintendo horror game, so it's got a lot of humor. It's not actually going to scare you. Oh, man. I, I love this soundtrack. It does scare Luigi. Um, it does scare Luigi, clearly. Points. But, yeah, I think something in this is... I, I, I remember when Dark Moon came out, um, just really re-examining my whole feelings on the original game. And I think mm-hmm. all of the choices that it got right... Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the LucasArts adventure games on this podcast because so much of that music was really um, important to us growing up. But we haven't talked as much about just those games and, and point and click yeah. adventure games being a big part of, you know, um, a lot of the games that we grew up with. And we have a, a huge fondness for that. And something that's interesting is um, I think in structure, Luigi's Mansion has a lot in common with those kinds of games. Yes, it's 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 not point and click by by any sense and there are I guess action elements, but oh, yeah. it's much more about going around, solving puzzles, exploring things, finding keys to open doors and, yeah, and collect it shares, ghosts and at the very least a personality, definitely. And I was noticing that with 3 when we were playing it, it just really reminded me of the feeling of spending a lot of time in a specific setting in a LucasArts right. game. It, it had that feeling to and it. And the, the thing that I think Nintendo did so brilliantly by making Luigi the star and giving him such a personality is as the player, you don't so much feel like you are Luigi. You feel like, you're, like you want to protect Luigi. Like he's mm-hmm. in this environment and he's scared and he's so innocent and he's humming along. It's like you want to help... <laughs> get him safely through this mansion right and they have so much fun with giving you know him all of this kind of charm and personality that i think it just so adds to the overall it's like what nintendo is able to accomplish um in this game which i think they honestly hadn't really taken advantage of in any of their games up until this point is really Mm -hmm. feeling like their character is not just some sort of avatar for the player's inputs that occasionally goes, yeah, wah, yahoo. Like he actually has his own opinions and feelings about the things that you're doing. He doesn't want to go in that door. He's scared about the things that he's doing. And there's this kind of really bizarre juxtaposition um, that happens there that makes these games so appealing and interesting. And it's what reminds me of LucasArts that's like the characters in those games have a lot more personality. Well, and then also speaking the of personality like, action game, I just have to give character. kudos to next level games because I think uh, the games that they did are so funny and the sense of humor is so strong and it's carried throughout the music throughout the writing, uh, just really great experiences. Well, uh, let's keep going. We have one more uh, very short piece of music. Uh, we'll play it once, and then we'll probably play it again, faded down. Uh, this is Talking with Ghosts from Luigi's Mansion.
it's so fun uh, hearing what uh, we'll just say the composers that we're about to get to Chad York, Darren Radke, and Mike Peacock. They had such a clear idea of okay, we know exactly where to go from here and they and they took the ball from Kazumi Tataka and really ran with it uh you guys just listened to talking with ghosts from Luigi's Mansion and yeah I'm very excited to get to the second and third entry um of of this series because yeah it's the music is just as good (laughs) as the first one I mean it was very impressive that's what I was so amazed by um when that second title came out um was how much it felt like it was cut from that same musical cloth and not just the quality of the melodies and the kinds of arrangements but that the overall comic irreverent spirit that Tataka has just in games on. you know like Mario Paint and Yoshi's Story where there's that same sense of like this great melody is being presented by this goofy pitched up Yoshi voice singing kind yeah. of out of tune well just like, one quick thing about this track I don't know about you but the funniest thing is how low that synth gets yeah it's so low to to an octave that's not suited for that instrument and right. that's kind of the funny thing about absolutely. it absolutely well and what's interesting to me is this music is all cartoon music in the most classic sense in the yeah. sense that the music itself is evoking the sort of goofy animated humor. Um, But it's also cartoon music in the sense that musically, these kinds of gestures, this sort of harmonic language, these kinds of melodies, and even these sounds, they evoke, you know, like an old silent movie or a, a Looney Tunes cartoon or like a Carl Stalling orchestra sort of feeling like it's yeah it's a lot of that same DNA these are a lot of the things that Grant Kirkhope was also very inspired by um totally. with a lot of the early you know N64 music that he did that that sense of going back to the past going back really far going back to when films were in their infancy this is something that Nintendo um and other people you know in the mold of a lot of Nintendo IP they they've done so brilliantly and it's something that I think makes a game like this feel rooted in some kind of tradition where I think video games that are trying to seem cutting edge and show off the newness of some technology they they tend to be in my opinion sort of flash in the pan and when you go back to them they don't look as good as you remember and they're not as enjoyable in hindsight where something like this that it it just feels like kind of timeless in a way because it mm-hmm. had all these old-fashioned elements when it was new so now that it's old it doesn't really feel like much has changed yeah uh, i could not be more excited to move on to the next level games entries two and three Uh, and for me particularly three i absolutely loved that game and soundtrack i never got around to playing dark moon i'm sure it's awesome uh next level games is a canadian video game developer and i want to give the composers that worked on the second game we have chad york darren radke and mike peacock and chad and darren returned for luigi's mansion three uh but now yes we're moved we're moved on to luigi's mansion dark moon let's start things off with the title here we go
perfect title theme to the sequel to Luigi's Mansion. It's Dark Moon, and it's composed by York, Radke, and Peacock. Um, I love the melody. I love the arrangement. The instrument choice is spot on. Uh, you know, the clarinet with the theremin and the church organ all coming together, the pizzicato strings. It's textbook, but I think the quality and kind of where this melody goes um, is way beyond just doing a cliche. Yes, absolutely. And this is what makes it feel like Nintendo to me. This is earnest, as well as feeling you you have the stylistic awesome things that they're they're pushing these buttons, you know, very clearly. But it's it's a really gorgeous melody, and harmonically, it has these. There's like I this love the theremin to line it. too. I yeah. love when it holds a note when the other chords change. Um, there's mm-hmm. this tension there. That is really interesting. I mean, this is just a fantastic use of arranging and and timbre to create these interesting moments of dissonance. Something that um, I I feel very strongly about uh, as far as making, I guess, challenging musical moments accessible to mm-hmm. you know an average listener. And I think so much of it is about the um, balance between simplicity and complexity in that I think complexity that's derived of pure complexity, um, it, it, it tends to sound more like an effect or it can sound, yeah. you know, like horror movie music that's really aleatoric and dissonant and it's meant to just make you feel terrified or something. That's one mm-hmm. kind of use for, you know, a popular culture sort of vernacular. But if you listen to a, a song that, you know, like a popular song or something from a musical or something that in and you break down and analyze the chords and you say like, oh, there's actually something really complicated and nuanced happening here. Often when that stuff is made palatable, it's because of the interaction of two really simple elements. But when they're put together, they have this disagreement, whether it's like a minor ninth rub or this, you know, yeah. half step dissonance. But because the two lines are this simple almost predictable sequence when they have these moments of incongruity you don't feel as jarred and instead it sort of it feels like this simple kind of um, really accessible idea but it has a lot more emotional depth to it and that's how I feel about this what's cool Mm -hmm. about this track is I feel like it does such a great job of describing the character of Luigi there's something intrepid and innocent about him but the fact that that sequence keeps going down he's a little bit mopey he's a little bit he's a character who kind of feels sorry for himself the Mm -hmm. theremin and some of those dissonances and even the kind of old-fashioned classical violin-y eastern european kind of i mean they just knocked it out of the park all the choices for me work so well and that's the case with the next track very excited to move on to this week's track of the week Gloomy Manor. Um, Now, the rip that we found of this soundtrack has medley versions. Uh, And so there's different kind of variations of each area, including Gloomy Manor. Uh, And so I think we might hear some of that here. It's Gloomy Manor medley from Dark Moon. Here we go.
You guys are listening to Gloomy Manor. This is a medley. We're going to hear some variations coming. This is from Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, and it's probably the best melody in the series, in my opinion, and it's a melody we're going to hear a lot as we focus on these Dark Moon tracks. Uh, Oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, Yes, we get the Luigi humming again. Charles coming back. (laughs) Oh man, it's really inspiring to see this example where it was outsourced to this other developer and if anything they just improved everything about (laughs) the game the music everything i mean and especially that was what i felt with three again i didn't have a chance to play dark moon i'm sure it's outstanding as well but three is just such a solid game it's so funny it's so fun to play music is outstanding yeah really impressive yeah i I think Charles as Luigi, I I like even more than Mario. Like it's, it's such a well-defined character, and it feels like it's like a Bugs Bunny character. It's like it's something from that kind of world. It's Mm -hmm. it's such a well-defined personality. Where, not to say Mario doesn't have personality, but he is. I mean, he's kind of the original you know video game avatar where you're playing out the sort of hero's journey of this you know archetypal hero rescuing a princess from danger and right um mario does have a, a a personality but so much of his personality i feel like is just very primary colors it's like it's his hat it's his mustache it's it's all a riff on this very right. cliche idea and and luigi is i think a lot more complicated than that even though he is kind of his own abstract yeah, there's a lot that i love about when they use charles like i love how his rhythms are always way off yeah <laughs> he's it not feels doing like he's, a very good job well he's singing it in character you know yeah, yeah he, exactly he's luigi just nervously humming this. well there's also different it versions it so much more charming um, we didn't mention it in, in Mansion from one, but there's different versions of him humming. And depending right. on your health, like when you have high health, medium health, low health, he's even worse. <laughs> it's <laughs> like his health is making him hum worse. It's adorable. Um, it, what a great so idea. It's such a simple concept, but it's like, it's it's so, it gives the game so much playability, honestly. Yeah. And it just, it makes you feel like you're playing inside this little toy box and this whole world comes <laughs> to life. It's it's really amazing how some, games, such a everyone, simple concept um, really goes such a long way. But yeah, an ac- another fantastic tune that feels like it could have been written by um, Shinobu or Kazumi. Like they're, yeah. it's very much in that style um and i think these composers did such an excellent job carrying that legacy because like we said no one was really expecting this to be a series at all Mm -hmm. um and i think what the composers for dark moon did was very much and i mean the entire development team made it feel like you can tell the love they had for the original game in all the things they honored and they brought it to the next level it's next level (laughs) they're living up to their name Let's move on to another area we're going to focus on today uh, from Dark Moon. This is Old Clockworks Medley. Here we go.
you guys are listening to Old Clockworks Medley from Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. Again, the melody that we just heard in Gloomy Manor, now we're hearing a different arrangement. Uh, yeah, it's a really spot-on instrument choice. Will, why is it that a reverb harpsichord is so spooky? I mean, obviously it's tied to like the Baroque era, but why does that instrument always work so well for this genre? You know, I think it's a good question. I think a lot of, for for whatever reason, a lot of the music of the Baroque era um, conjures up associations that we have when we think of, you know, like horror music and things like that. I think some of that probably goes back to the silent movie era when, you know, certain sure. ghoulish films they'd play, you know, like Bach, Toccata, and Fugue. And so we definitely have kind of that gothic association of like organ. And then I think, I, I don't know. Yeah, particularly in a modern context, like any time you hear a harpsichord, it immediately makes you think of the past or something that's old. Yeah, there is something creepy about if you're, you know, if you're exploring an old mansion, uh, if you hear old sounding music with an organ. Yeah, because like I don't know so much that it's the harpsichord itself that's creepy. I think it's the music, you know, this sort of minor key, dissonant. Spooky. But you want an old instrument, for yeah, sure. definitely. <laughs> Oh it's God, Luigi's coming! Theme. Just it never gets old. Honestly, like I'm trying to remember if they incorporated humming in Luigi's Mansion Three. I, I can't remember. I can't recall if they did. Or I'm not. sure they did. Um, I mean, yeah. it, it it's a it's such a series staple. Um, and yeah, it's what gives so much character I think to the game. I mean, and that that's what's interesting is like these soundtrack versions. Um, it's interesting that. Luigi's humming, you know, exists within, I mean, again, not that these games necessarily had official soundtrack releases, but um, I always sort of imagined it as like Luigi singing along with the score. Yeah. Uh, And I, which is great. That's what sort of like connects. There's that breaking the fourth wall element that I think has kind of been a part of Nintendo music for a long time. I mean, I even think, there's an element to that if you think about like the opening of Yoshi's Island with the music box, how mm-hmm. it slows down and has to be cranked again. They're, they're like kind of the idea of being self-aware that this is music for a game and being aware of kind of some of the tropes of that in the characters and the game experience acknowledging that there's music playing I think is something it's that super it's fun. really charming and it's an area that at this point you know many games have explored in in different ways but I think um the particular brand of Nintendo's charm and humor um uh, is so evident in the implementation yeah. of that concept in both the original game and I think especially in Dark Moon yeah, and again, we're going to hear one more um, area theme that is basically that same melody, a different arrangement. Before we get to that, uh, let's play a battle track. This is Possessed Ice Battle. Here we go.
very interesting piece of music. This is Possessed Ice Battle, and let's give another shout-out to the composers that work with Next Level Games. We have Chad York, Darren Radke, and Mike Peacock. Yeah, the, the interesting thing that I noticed about this track, yeah, I think it works really well. It's very minimal percussion. All you have on the right channel is just have a very quiet hi-hat. It's all you have. Um, and I think that kind of works. I mean, I think it would maybe be a little too bombastic if there was more percussion. So that was something I noticed is like the lack of percussion. Um, I love when the theremin comes in that, that just like makes it even creepier than it already was. Will, what are your, uh, thoughts? Obviously we're listening to, you know, virtual instruments that, that age a little more than what we'd expect in 2022, but what are your thoughts on the instrumentation on a track like this? I think it's, it's really fantastic, especially given, uh, the context. I mean, I think every single timbre in this arrangement uh, is, you know, conjuring ice and conjuring the musical associations that we have for that. The use of the celeste, which I think we associate with, you know, Christmas because of the Nutcracker um, and its sort of ubiquity. But then also that reference point having been used so many times in, you know, media music. Well, and there's one thing that I love in three, and I don't think we're getting to it with the tracks we're playing, um, but there's some nice callbacks to certain classical music cliches or connotations that that game has and the soundtrack has. Uh, If you haven't played it, Will, I think you'd really get a kick out of there's one in particular I'm thinking of. But yeah, really spot on. And, And this is another good example, this battle track. This isn't a type of battle track that we typically play on this podcast. You know, it's it's a little more background, and that's kind of the case with uh, a lot of this music. Well, today. and I so think that there's it's a it's a nice change. A lot of, of pace. that is due to the nature of the gameplay. I think Luigi's Mansion for sure. The games fall somewhere in between action and adventure, uh, and the nature of the boss battles. Um, the, you don't take your time as much as you would in say like an RPG game. Um, or at least like a JRPG style, you know, turn-based There's a lot game. of just good background music in these games. The other thing, though, is I think, you know, you commented on the minimal percussion, and I think that hi-hat, anything metallic, um, just if you think of sonically, if you imagine kind of the sound of what a big sheet of ice would sound like when struck... Um, there's something that kind of helps to evoke that. And there's also something about not having any big, heavy drums that makes this piece feel unstable. Well, part of that is just because it's classical, right? Well, that, but it also and, and going it, from it like, makes it feel sort of like unstable, like you're slipping around on the ice. And there's that when you're right. only the music can have this feeling of being top heavy when you only have elements in a higher register and you're not kind of giving that full sonic spectrum and i think there's something about that yeah i think it's interesting like the the style of music that was went for in dark moon a little more baroque or classical i mean there's there's other things too but yeah because of that style there's there's very little percussion and if we think about what we're going to hear in Luigi's mansion three uh there's a little bit more of a modern uh kind of rhythm section approach at least to some of the tracks so that's interesting uh let's move on to yeah one more example of this melody from Dark Moon. Let's see let's see how they approach it in this one. This is Treacherous Mansion. Here we go.
I really like that we get to focus on multiple different variations. This is an interesting variation. Uh, I'm sure Will has some thoughts on uh, how they took this melody and, and tweaked it. Um, yeah, the, the pizzic- we've said this before, but pizzicato strings always work, whether or not it's SNES samples or you know, 2000s era virtual instruments. It, it just, it really carries across what, what the vibe is supposed to be. But yeah, Will, what are, your, what are your feelings on this particular variation of the melody? I think it's very interesting. And I think the variation is less in melodic changes and more in the harmonic support underneath. We have mm-hmm. these shifting harmonies, shifting back and forth between half steps, which means, um, you know, traditionally we're outside of our, our tonic key um, every time we go to that sort of strange borrowed chord, which just makes it feel a little more unsettled. But it also it, it evokes, you know, that kind of Danny Elfman Nightmare Before Christmas sort of connotation as yeah. well, um, where we're we're leaving the world of classical music <gasps> harmony. We've heard now there's like, I think at least two, if not more different pieces of music, I believe different tempos uh, that Charles clearly had to sing along to. How many different uh, versions do you think he had to sing along to in the studio on on this, just on the score alone? Well, Charles seems like such a great guy. He seems like he has such a wonderful, positive sort of personality. I wouldn't be surprised if he totally. offered to do more. And I mean, I, I know that he, he plays, <laughs> he plays the game. So I could oh, yeah, see he's a big that fan being of the a part. Games, yeah. I, yeah, I'd love to. Wouldn't that be amazing to sit in on one of the voiceover sessions and and see what? That's I don't know like. if I would want to. Oh. <laughs> I think it would blow my mind too much. Well, we have one more piece of music from Dark Moon before we move uh, on to three, which I am very excited about. Um, this is one more battle track. It's Big Boo Battle. You guys are listening to Big Boo Battle. Uh, for me, it was one of the standouts on Dark Moon. Really fantastic melody. It's it's a bit of a diamond in the rough. I could see people overlooking this. Um, the presentation is great, too. It's kind of a humble presentation. I'm sure Will has uh, thoughts on, on how this presentation comes across, but what a killer piece of music. Yeah, it feels like it, it shares common DNA in a very intentional way to the um, sort of merry-go-round yeah, and Big yeah. Boo's haunt from Super Mario 64. But it's a much deeper piece of music, much darker. Yeah, very. It, it's it's certainly a, a different emotional connotation, but I think having the same kind of dancey rhythmic structure and grounding it off of something that feels familiar um, I think was an excellent choice. I, I also think these sounds here are interesting because they're somewhere between like the sound of like a Mellotron flute, mm-hmm. which has, you know, we have more particular kind of, you know, like psychedelic music 
um, connotations, which I think is also perfect when you're dealing with, you know, the supernatural and um, ghosts and everything. Yet it also kind of sounds so like good. pipes that would be in an old theater organ or something. Uh, yeah, except that it's like recorded in a way that sounds old too. It's like a vintage sounding recording. It's, as it's well. really perfect because I think it it, it captures the sentiment of that there's some sort of spirit, there's some sort of like essence of a living thing, but it isn't you know tangible. And I think that these are all the different ways in which you know music and video games and films is so necessary, not just to give you the mm-hmm. emotional context, which I think often is what the melodies and harmonies or you know i mean there's plenty of score that isn't melodic and there's plenty of movies and games that that you know utilize other aspects of music but timbre is such a big one being able to communicate really rather complex ideas and and complicated almost metaphorical uh, relationships that we have between the way something mm-hmm. sounds and the way something looks or the way something sounds in the kind of a concept underneath in so many what's so great about music and what makes it so useful is all this stuff can happen subconsciously you might not even be aware that there is music but it affects you emotionally nonetheless yeah and puts you in the right headspace i'm really glad we're doing this episode i think dark moon is an underrated score and that track is is definitely an underrated piece of music so shout out there to big boo battle that was great I'm very excited to move on to Luigi's Mansion 3. So Chad York and Darren Radke returned for this score, and this just came out a few years ago uh, for the Switch. And it's really fun now to move into this era because we're going to hear a new level of production. There's some wonderful virtual instrument work as well as some wonderful performance. So let's take a listen to uh, Basement Theme from Luigi's Mansion 3. Outstanding. Gosh, I'm excited to focus a little bit here today on Luigi's Mansion 3. This is Basement Theme, composed by Chad York and or Darren Radke. There's so much I love about the music of Luigi's Mansion 3. It's actually a really big part of the experience, and there's so many great moments that we didn't have time for even today, but let's just start with this. Will, what are your thoughts? You know, it... Once again, I'm reminded of LucasArts. Uh, I think a big part of it has to do totally. with the tempo uh, in in the sort of pace. Tempo is such a big part of I mean, the conversation we were just having about the relationship between, you know, music, emotion, and, and its context, you know, in a game. And I think tempo is something that 
you know, you can listen to a piece of music and probably just predict the genre or predict mm-hmm. at least the circumstance of, of that music. And this sort of, um, not that this is slow, but it's this sort of medium tempo, light, easygoing uh, rhythm that wouldn't be appropriate for you know a fast-paced action game and it also you know it wouldn't be appropriate for like for this an actual outright horror experience it's something that is for i think a specific kind of genre of like exploration adventure in sort of a comic cartoony halloween sort of well the areas as you explore in the game the areas get a little more crazy this is one of the early areas and so the music is a little more restrained than it is later on um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of things I love. I think about again, this game. The, these composers did a great job of honoring what was established by Kazumi Tataka and Shinobu Nagata uh, in that original. But taking title. certain things to the next level, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, I think the a big part of it is the sort of melodic and harmonic vocabulary. There's sort of a style of this series vibes at was this a great point. Choice for that. Uh, yeah, vibes are great. The the trumpet. I think having real trumpet to disguise from sort of the VST virtual instrument saxophone yeah. I think was a nice way of you know economizing uh, their resources a lot of muted trumpet on the score let's move on to uh, the next track we're, we have time for today love this one the great stage theme What a colorful and eclectic score this is. You're listening to the great stage theme. Now, uh, in this version of the ripped soundtrack that I found, uh, yeah, that's kind of how, how they say it. There's all kinds of different music in the great stage. There's ghost themes. There's uh, tension themes. Uh, all kinds of different variations. This is a really, really big... If this was ever to be released officially, it would be a massive soundtrack. Will, what are your thoughts? I love the orchestration instrumentation on this. Beautiful playing, beautiful writing. Yeah, I think um, space is a big aspect of of this piece. And I think with uh, a soundtrack that, you know, in a Luigi's Mansion game that's going to be melodic and very eclectic and quirky and have plenty of moments that are very in-your-face... I think finding points to have space, not just space in the sense of moments where music isn't happening, but within a given piece of music, 
um, rather than having you know incessant arpeggios. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the advantage of using an instrument like a pizzicato string um, because it just has this very sharp attack and then a quick and immediate decay with very little sustain. Um, and the, it's also the sustain is relative to the length of the string, which means that the higher the pitch, the shorter the sound. So it means that we get all this boomy, resonant bass and we get this little very short and brief plucks in the high register, which is, I think, why pizzicato strings um, so often help to conjure this particular kind of spookiness. There's something a little bit... Totally. It's not that threatening, but it, the, it, the strings almost sound a little frightened. Um, and I think part of that is because Absolutely. it tends to just acoustically emphasize the lower register, and it makes the higher register, that sort of like getting shivers register, um, is mm-hmm. so wimpy um, with pizzicato strings. Yeah, this this score, I got to say, there's so many different um, instrument features and, and great choices and different genre pastiches. And I think the use of the solo violin by this point so in uh, the Mario series really has been kind of established and has this sort of relationship to s- certain ghost levels. Like I think one of the best examples was in Mario 3D World. You know that, mm-hmm. you know, and so there already is that sort of association. And the, again, economizing resources. You know, giving your melodic. Well, one instrument. thing that I love about this score is there's plenty of horror campy moments and it's a very scary score at times, but it's also very beautiful. Uh, and this is a great example of that. Uh, yeah, just a really entertaining score. Uh, let's move on to one. I think Will's going to get a kick out of this is called paranormal productions theme. Uh, and paranormal productions is an area of the game. That's it's, it's like a movie studio themed area. Uh, it's a really cool part of the game. Let's take a listen. guys listening to paranormal productions a really nice kind of humorous pastiche piece uh this is one where the virtual instruments are a little rougher around the edges i will say but i when when i got to this part in the game i was very charmed by the piece of music and by this area Uh, there's a lot of different like movie sets that you have to go and explore um cool stuff yeah i mean it's very much clearly a nod and pastiche to the golden age of hollywood which you know shares a lot of common dna with 
the kind of Broadway pit orchestra tradition. And we're hearing that in the harmonies and the rhythms. It's very much, you know, in the style of like hooray for Hollywood. And that's, it's very Mm -hmm. clearly intentional here. I I was surprised. I mean, even upon hearing the description of the stage, how sort of overt that homage is, this is one area where I feel like different. um, Had this been composed in house, by you know the composers in Japan at Nintendo, I kind of think they would have made a slightly different choice. Whether or not they would oh, have alluded sure they would to have. you know the sort of Hollywood music, I don't know that it would have been this overt um, a specific pastiche. But there's and, something creepy, and that's about nothing. It. I mean, there's a lot of overt moments. I, I I gotta say, there's moments in Luigi's Mansion Three in the music specifically that really surprised me. And sometimes it, it was just silly. And sometimes it just I do think this is a track that um, if it had the opportunity for, you know, a fuller orchestration and um, utilizing real instruments, it would have worked a lot better. Sure. Totally. Uh, This is a great piece of music. Uh, Yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot of eclecticism, I think, in the score to three. This is Tomb Sweets theme. Let's take a listen. beautiful track tomb suites theme and as you're hearing here this is a desert themed area uh there's a big tomb in it and yeah this was one of the musical moments for me playing the game uh where i definitely noticed the music in a positive way Uh, and again it's a really good change of pace from most of the tone in this whole series musically so yeah it's it's a beautiful track it kind of is reminiscent of be like a Mario desert theme. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it, to me it feels a lot more Western than a Mario desert theme. I mean, it's definitely it is utilizing certain connotations that we'd have with, and I think it's you know trying to go for that almost like Egyptian kind of cl- musical cliche, and a lot of that mm-hmm. harmonically, you know, evoking like Lawrence of Arabia with the use of borrowing from the Phrygian mode in an otherwise major tonality. So if you're thinking in the key of C major, it would be using chords like B flat minor or D flat major or um, G half diminished 
within C major. Yeah. That's kind of that sound of borrowing from the Phrygian mode. And for for whatever reason, I mean, I think partially because of the half step away from the tonic, we have some of these associations, and it maybe reminds us of certain um, Arabic, you know, musical scales and things like that. But it, in a, in a case like this, they're less going for actual accuracy to some sort of source material, and they're referencing a, a musical cliche. They're trying to evoke yeah, what that they definitely cliche are. But evokes. I was actually impressed with the taste on this one. I mean, I feel like even if this was a few years earlier, it would have been just a little bit more cliche and it wouldn't have had maybe as much heart. Yeah. And I'm not saying cliche in a negative way. Like they're leaning into that. That's, no, I mean, there's, yeah, there's no in, arguing in a way that's it. kind of yeah. like what Nintendo music is all about. You know, if you think of the original Super yeah. Mario Brothers, every single piece of music in that game is acknowledging some pre-established musical cliche. Yeah, and it's I mean, taking it, advantage of our associations. Cliche. In a similar way that like Mario Odyssey does, as far yeah. as how tasteful. Yeah, I mean, if you think is. of like so, yeah, a beach great level there. or a desert level, like going for these extremely drastic genre styles yep. to evoke those things. There were a few points in the melody too that I, I really liked. Uh, I liked sort of the open nature of it, and then some of those it's really dissonant moments. You know, we would jump up like a minor third or something, and then we'd have this really mm-hmm. interesting like cross relationship where the the melody note is not quite agreeing with what's implied in the harmony. Yeah, I gotta say, it's 3, to me, has really some of these composers' best writing that I've heard. Um, they really had a field day with this score. Let's move on to, for me personally, this is my favorite track of the day. It's a really wonderful version of the theme that we first heard in Luigi's Mansion in EGAD's lab. This is EGAD's laboratory from Luigi's Mansion 3. It's a wonderful jazz arrangement and performance of this. Just a great piece of music. Let's take a listen. so hip <laughs> you guys are listening to egad's laboratory if i was going to show someone one piece of music from this series i would show them this it really captures what i love about this series some great solos that we're going to get later on it's actually a pretty long piece of music um five minutes 54 seconds is the whole thing it's so fun it has the sense of humor that this this character has and that this game has Oh, it's so great to get an arrangement of a theme that we all know and love. Well, and it's this very sweet and simple kind of 50s jazz. I mean, it's like Dave Brubeck, you know, it's... Yep, kind of elevator music a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But again, it's like 
Um, what's great about music that is evoking dun, 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 dun. some genre rhythms. or pastiche style from the past is oftentimes you can have multiple connotations with the same element and they're both being acknowledged and taken advantage of. So for instance, that electric organ, which we might associate with the oh, sort of so elevator music jazz of that, you know, We're 50s going from church organ to electric But also organ. it's like, yeah, that sort of organ with the tremolo and vibrato feels spooky and Jazz feels like in the genre on. of this kind of spooky cartoon horror Yeah, I gotta music. say that York and Radke nailed um, the production on this soundtrack. You know, the elements that are virtual, the elements that are real, they really blend it all together nicely. And, and this is one of the most prominent pieces of music in the game. I mean, you go to EGAD's lab a lot, and every time you hear it, it's just, you want to stay there. You know, you feel very comfortable and safe and you just enjoy yourself. Um, so, wow, what a great track that is. Uh, okay, we have time for one more, and then also the play out after that. Let's uh, go to another area in Luigi's Mansion 3. Scare Scraper, Capture the Ghosts 1. What a delightful series this has been. You guys listening here to Scare Scraper, Capture the Ghosts 1, and what a fitting full circle experience this is, ending our episode on Luigi's Mansion 3. It's really a beautiful um, kind of love letter to everything that people loved about the first two games, and I feel like musically and production-wise, really, really hitting it out of the park, knocking it out of the park and bringing it home here. I think that Chad York and Darren Radke did an excellent job with this score, and I enjoyed this entire episode. Will, uh, what are your thoughts, your parting thoughts on the music of this series? Well, um, you know, personally, I think as a Westerner, I'm very inspired by these, you know, non-Nintendo, non-Japanese composers that could (laughs) pick up the torch. Um, And... uh, really assume this this style which was so clearly defined and to have the the humility and good taste to um go right along with what's been established and maybe like you said carl take that to the logical next level but i think where a lot of composers because they love it too you can really hear that they love it absolutely and i think a lot of composers sometimes when they they take over the shoes um, that's already been established. They intentionally, I don't want to listen to any of it. I'm going to write all new themes. I want to completely mm-hmm. start fresh. I'm so glad they didn't do that, especially in the case of, you think of the gigantic time gap between the original game and Dark Moon. I think it was so essential that those composers nailed the music to honestly justify the fact that we're getting a sequel to this kind of underappreciated and obscure GameCube title. And not that it was obscure, it was the launch (laughs) game, but, you know, it wasn't necessarily... 
it's a I think it's fair to call it like a cult classic. Um, and so yes, yeah, for sure. Really nailing everything that was great about that game and taking it to the next level justified Nintendo making an additional game. I mean, I really think the music was no small part of what made Dark Moon great. And I think without um, the contributions by Chad York and Darren Radke, I, who knows if there even would have been a Luigi's Mansion 3. And I hope that this isn't the last game in the series. And I'm so glad we can actually call this a series and do an yeah. episode like we're doing today. Because if you know what's interesting is like when we first did our Nintendo month there. We couldn't have done an episode on Luigi's mansion as a series. We would have just had to focus <laughs> on true. the original game. Yeah, so it's... the following year, I think dark moon came out. Yeah. This was such a fun episode. It was a nice change of pace. We typically don't have episodes uh, that are this musical style for the whole thing. Uh, and hey, it wasn't even a Halloween episode. How crazy is that? We're going to play you guys out with a nice, lively piece of music from 3. It's Scream Park Riverbank. We hope you enjoyed that. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And yes, if all goes according to plan, we should have two more episodes this month for you. So yeah, it's it's uh, kind of a scary, interesting time because uh, we don't know exactly when this Brueggemann baby is going to come. Um, the due date is December, but uh, we're going <laughs> to see if we can finish out this month before that happens. I mean, I feel like no matter what happens, it'll it'll be perfect because if the baby yeah. comes in November, I mean, a uh, Nintendo month baby is, I hope it is pretty exciting. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, um, by hook or by crook, um, there will be we will conclude Nintendo month uh, 2022. And we have some really exciting stuff in store for you guys. So you can definitely look forward to that. I can't wait. Enjoy Scream Park Riverbank. That's about it. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Take care, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>